Blessings to you, my brother or sister, on this 20th episode of the Good Morning God podcast. As is tradition, I'm your host, the West Virginia Mountaineer and missionary in Brazil, Lucas Ham Swisher. Thank you so much for joining me on this fine morning, afternoon, evening, or night. As I try to remind you that the best part of waking up isn't coffee in your cup, but asking God what's up. I pray that this moment of reflection gives you a little break amidst the busyness or monotony of your week as you try to navigate the game of life, because you, my friend, are not alone. So this past Sunday, I gave a sermon and missionary update to one of our partner churches in Churubusco, Indiana. And the message I shared was one that I'd shared in the past with some of, some of the other churches in Brazil and the U.S. that support us. And so I thought to myself, why not share it with you also? Now, being as our devotional time is significantly shorter than a normal runtime of a sermon at a church, I thought it best to leave out some parts, such as missionary updates, and just focus on the core elements. And so to start, unlike Sunday, I would like to begin with one of my favorite jokes, just to add a little spice. What kind of boat never truly sinks? A friendship. (laughs) I love that one. Speaking of friendships, there were two, actually three friendships in high school that truly impacted my life and faith as a 15 or 16-year-old teen boy. The first of them being when Jesus became my friend and I put my faith in him. I had become a Christian at around the age of 13, but it wasn't until a couple years later that I started finally understanding what that truly meant and what that looked like, you know, beginning to make my life choices, take my faith seriously. And that had an effect on other friendships of of mine in life, such as with one of my friends at the time, Derek, who had been a friend of mine since elementary school. He wasn't really seeing eye to eye with me in my change of faith. Um, Some of the things that we typically did for fun uh, that maybe were destructive or not very uplifting or encouraging to others, uh, attitudes that we had, I just, I didn't really want to be that way anymore. And so we really kind of, I don't know, kind of just had difficulty in our friendship once I started taking my faith seriously. And, And I remember we were walking home from school one day and I pretty much told him, Derek, I'm sorry, but I, I can't be your friend. And and so I, I really felt, and I, and I tried to be open and honest with him, like, you know, that just with my relationship with God, being a Christian, it just didn't, we didn't see eye to eye with that. And so I ended it, and I thought it was finished forever. Uh, there was another friend, uh, I'll call him quote unquote, uh, really an acquaintance, that was a friend of a friend of a group of friends that we had that I walked to and from school with every almost every day. And uh, his name was Tom. And honestly, I didn't really like him that much. He was really obnoxious, loud. He said and used a lot of the same vocabulary that my friend Derek used that I didn't want to use anymore. A lot of uh, cursing and, and talking about, you know, other people in very colorful and interesting ways. And it really irritated me, not just because I didn't want to be around that, but because he went to church and he said he was a Christian. At one point, he went on this very foul-languaged uh, tirade, and I, I pretty much said, how in the world can you be a Christian, go to church, and talk the way you do? And he asked me straight up, he said, well, what, is, what is what I say, you know, the language that I use, and going to church, what does that have to do with anything? And so, for whatever reason, God brought to mind a scripture, and I read to him Ephesians 4.29, which in summary says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is encouraging and uplifting to others. And once I kind of just shared that verse with him, I thought, well, there's the end of that friendship or any potential friendship as well. 
you know, I think thinking back on those two, I guess, situations that happened in my life, it really gets me to thinking, especially now as an adult with a job, with kids, being at home a lot thanks to the pandemic. Now more than ever, friendships are hard. They were back then and they still are today. And I think for some of you, maybe for most of us, we can agree that relationships are not easy. You know, we have relationships with people we're around a lot because maybe they're family and or, you know, because of our job, the jobs that do allow us to be together. But for the most part, it's really hard to have friendships. Jesus understood this, the importance of friendship and how it's worth fighting for. You know, even as someone as amazing and powerful and really autonomous as Jesus, who really didn't need anyone to do what God called him to do. He really just needed God the Father, God the Holy Spirit and himself. And I mean, they can do whatever they want, really. He appreciated and pointed out that even he as a human needed friendship. Around chapter 15 of the Gospel of John, Jesus had spent several hours, multiple chapters, preparing his disciples for challenges to come, you know, because they were going to be facing some tough times in the future. He tried to do different things to kind of demonstrate his support of them, his love for them, how they could continue forward his his message and in the Gospel. He did that by washing their feet. He encouraged them through sharing that the Holy Spirit would be coming in his place once he died. And he tried to just cover their present situation with encouragement, kind of just share some insight into what was going to happen in the future. And then at the end of this time together, Jesus wrapped it up by talking about friendship, something that, you know, maybe we overlook. We don't necessarily think is a part of the Christian faith or is a part of what we do in relationship to God or the church. And Jesus wants to tell us today, hey, guess what? It's important and you need to pay attention. And so in John 15 verses 11, 17, Jesus had these words to say. He said, I've spoken these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I do not call you slaves anymore because a slave doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you that you should go out and produce fruit, and that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command. Love one another. This is so much to unpack, but I really want to just take a few moments here to to just talk to you about the importance of friendship, how we can more genuinely express it and almost have a guarantee that it will be eternal, that the relationships we have on this earth will not stop here. It will not stop at death, but it will continue on until, well, (laughs) I'd say the end, but there is no end in God, in Christ. And so there's a few things that Jesus talks about in these verses that I I just want to point out. The first one is that in true friendship, we have to operate with reckless love. Jesus shares the platinum rule in this moment. You know, in the past, he'd shared the, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You know, one of the greatest commandments. But Jesus steps it up a notch and he says, hey, guess what? You know that golden rule I shared with you? It's the platinum rule now. Do unto others as I have done unto you. Just moments ago, he had washed their feet. And you can think of the disciples surely could have thought of many moments in the past where Jesus had done and sacrificed and and done all these things for others. And Jesus even mentions this later on in the verses in verse 12 and 13, where he mentions, you are called to lay down your life. I'm going to lay down my life. He's already been telling them this, to sacrifice my life, myself for you, and you need to do the same. Now, I don't think that this is just to be taken literally. 
Jesus's words to just be taken literally, to give of our lives, to sacrifice our lives for others. I mean, if there are situations, there are moments when that's true, but I think we need to think more practical in a broader way and look at it like this. Whatever we have, whatever we consider to be ours, quote unquote, that is what Jesus is calling us to sacrifice. Our personal time, our focus, our energy, our stuff, all the things that we own. We're called to use all of that stuff, not just to the glory of God, but for friendship, to encourage and to love others. And that Jesus here is calling us to sacrifice our pride, to share our journey of life. It's easier to do life alone, really. It seems like it anyways. We don't have to worry about all the the complicatedness of humanity. And if I just do this myself, it'll be much easier. I mean, as a parent, I understand this because when I ask the kids to wash the dishes or ask the kids to do something, I can do it better. (laughs) I could do it much quicker. And it's painful sometimes to involve them. But at the same time, there is so much more to be gained for both of us, both my children and myself. And the same is true in relationships and friendship, that when we offer our personal lives, when we offer our successes, we share those successes with others. When we share our struggles, when we share our pain, when we share our sorrow. Greater things happen in our lives and in the lives of our of our friends and on in the in our family, the people we're in relationship with than when we do it alone. Even stuff as simple and as almost sometimes selfish as our interests and our hobbies, the things we do for fun, when we offer those to other people in relationship and friendship, they can be wonderful tools. They can be used for investing in others, for ministry, for missions. While I've been living here in Brazil, one of the kind of side not side projects, but side ministries I've had is using video games using entertainment as a ministry tool. And so I've lived in a couple cities where I've kind of approached other guys in our church with the guise of, hey, let's, do you like video games? Me too, let's play. And while we've played video games, from that organically, a relationship has formed and then devotional times and prayer times have like kind of melded into that. And I've done that in multiple cities. And then even currently, I have a a core group of guys that live in North America, in the U.S. and Canada, that are some of my best friends right now. And we just call ourselves the God and Gaming Crew, where every Thursday night we get together, we talk about God, we pray together, and then we play video games. And through that, we have truly been growing in friendship with each other and with with God. The second thing that Jesus talks about later on in verses 14 and 15 is, is how relationships are reciprocal, or they should be reciprocal. You know, he talks about how I no longer, he says, call you servants. Instead, I have called you friends. Jesus here is prioritizing not status. He's not prioritizing position. You know, really, Jesus is Lord and Savior of the world. So really what makes sense is for him to be high up and the disciples to be low because they are they're sinners. They are. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were not perfect. Jesus was perfect and is perfect. They were not. So there was a huge gap in their morality and their effectiveness as humans. Jesus is, was a healer, a miracle worker, and they, to that point, had hardly done anything. And yet in this moment, Jesus is closing the gap between himself and them. And he says, you are not servants. I am not just your Lord and you are my followers. You're my friends. He's prioritizing and valuing his disciples as friends. He was mutually investing in them that just as they were investing in him, learning from him, he was demonstrating them, I'm learning from you. I'm investing in you as well, walking with you. And it's just amazing to me how Jesus did that. And there's not really very much else to say about it except for the fact that we've got to have people in our lives where there are no barriers. 
where we are not looking at other people from a, a viewpoint of status or possessions. Like for me as a pastor, I can't look at every single person in my church as just a, a follower or a member of the congregation or you know as a leader. Whatever it, that may look like, we have to have people in our lives where we're seeing eye to eye with each other and we can encourage and lift each other up, hold each other accountable. We need those people in our lives. I mean, even Jesus, when he was about to give his life he was in the garden. He was crying. He was so distraught that he was sweating blood. And he went multiple times to his disciples and said, please pray for me. He needed their prayers. He wanted their prayers. If Jesus needed that, if Jesus needed friends, if he had a deep desire for that, doesn't that mean all of us need that too? We can't do it alone. And so that then follows into verses 16 and 17 where Jesus talked about how the only way to really initiate and continue and maintain a friendship is by resolute choice, making the choice who you want to have a relationship with. You know, Jesus said in verses 16 and 17, you did not choose me, I chose you. And you know, with Jesus and his friends, his disciples, did, did it all work out for them? No, there was Judas who betrayed Jesus, and it wasn't just Judas. I mean, pretty much everybody betrayed Jesus in some form or fashion, but Judas never went back for forgiveness. He never recovered from that, and he killed himself, and it ended very poorly for him. You know, and then they tried to replace Judas's spot with Matthias, and then later Jesus actually chose Paul in a vision, who was known as Saul originally. He chose him in a vision to be his disciple, be his friend, be his apostle. Jesus had a lot of followers, a lot of admirers, but he only had a few friends, true partners in missions, in ministry, in life. And it wasn't based on circumstance or occupation. It was just based on him choosing them and investing in them and walking with them. And we are called to do the same. But it's hard because during much of our lives, especially in infancy, adolescence, in, you know, into teenager and even into adulthood, our friendships and relationships are dictated by circumstance. The friends that we had from zero to at least 21 or 22 when we're in college is based on the people that we see every day because we have to. We go to the same classes. We go to the same events. You know, for family, we go to, you know, we celebrate Christmas together. We celebrate birthdays, etc. We don't really have a choice <laughs> to have a relationship with these people. And so for the first 20 some years of our lives, everything is dictated by your friends with those or you're in a relationship with those who you're around. And then eventually, once you get a job, once you have kids, those circumstances no longer help you. They hurt you, in fact, because you don't have time to be around those people. You don't have hour-long classes that you see certain people with every day and have the opportunity to build a relationship. And Jesus understood that. That's why he demonstrated you have to make the choice. And adulthood is all about making choices. In the financial realm of life, you probably learned at some point as an adult, after you went to college and got a full-time job, that your mom and dad can't help you forever. You have to save or you have to improve your money situation by your choices, especially when you have your own family and or you want it, you have desires to like see the world and you have to make a budget and you have to choose where your money goes and stays. And maybe for some of you that hasn't happened yet, so this is a, this is a warning, heads up, your parents are not going to be able to help you forever. You have to eventually make a choice of how your money is going to be distributed. And the same is true with friendships, with relationships. We could call it maybe friendonomics. You have to decide who you're going to be friends with, who you're going to be in a relationship with. You can't allow circumstance to dictate. You can't allow just like, ah, oh, whatever happens, happens. Because it works both ways. The quality of relationships are going to be poor or be limited depending on your circumstances. At the same time, I'm sure there's some of you out there that you're like, man, I don't really have any true friends. But guess what? It starts with you. Make the choice. 
Who in your life do you have a commonality with? Who in your life do you uh, share even Christ with that you can choose to love them, to invest in them, to talk with them, communicate with them? It starts with you. It doesn't start with the circumstances. As a Christian, as a Christ follower, life is not just about service, moral checklist, responsibility. It's about relationships. It's about conversation. It's about love and sacrifice with Christ, with each other, with our family, with our neighbors. So I want to ask you a few questions just to wrap things up as, as a point of reflection. I want you to think for a moment about your relationship with Christ as a Christian, if, if you believe in him. If you don't, I, w- I want you to know today that he is just one prayer away, that if you start talking to him now, if you pray to him, I can't explain how it works. It just does. If you will accept him as Savior and Lord of the world and of your life, that's the best place to start. And also as your eternal friend, because that's what he is. He's not just this perfect 100% man, 100% God being that just exists. He's, he's our friend. He chose, just like he chose the disciples, he chose us. So now the question is, have you chosen him? Is he your friend? Do you spend time with him? Do you communicate with him? Do you hang out, quote unquote, as it were? I know it's not easy. He's pretty much invisible and very silent. He speaks in very mysterious ways. But it's something we have to think about because if we're treating Christ like just Lord and Savior, not interacting with him as a friend, that can have a huge impact on our day-to-day life. The next question I want to ask is, do you have any real friends in your life? And then the follow-up question to that, are you being a true friend? Or are you allowing circumstances to dictate your friendships? Are you allowing excuses to hold you back? If you do have difficulty, have you tried just to simply choose to commit to and invest in someone? And if you have chosen people, if you do have friends that you're like, yeah, this is my friend. I love them. I care for them. I sacrifice my time, energy, money, etc. to them. Do they know it? When's the last time you told him? When's the last time you shared it with him? Imagine if Jesus hadn't said the words that we read today. Imagine if he just said, it'll be okay. And then he went, died, and then of course rose again later and, and encouraged them and loved them and you know gave them the Holy Spirit, etc. What if he hadn't said this? I think it would have had a great impact, maybe a negative impact, but he took time to say it. You've got to take time to tell your friends that you love them, that you care for them, that you choose them. You don't, maybe you don't have to say it exactly that way, but, but just take time to help them understand that you're in it for the long run, that you're committed to them. That makes all the difference because then they're going to do the same thing. And that's why Jesus did it, so that we could do the same thing. And finally, the the last kind of question and idea I want to ask is, do you share your victories? Do you share your failures with others? Do you share your struggles, the things that go on in your head? How often do you share that with anyone? It's so important to share those because those can just eat us up. Those thoughts, the whether they're dark thoughts or struggles or anything, everything gets worse or gets diminished when we just keep it in our minds. But when we share it, there's nothing like telling a friend of a victory you've had, a success you've had. And then there's nothing like telling a friend that you failed and, and having them respond with love and encouragement, challenging us, helping us get better. That's what we need in life. To, to kind of wrap things up, I know I've kind of, I've, I've shared way more than I actually planned on sharing, but I want to kind of loop back to the two friends that I told you about at the beginning, Derek and Tom. What truly happened in the end? Because what I told you at the beginning was not the end of the story. With Derek, once we ended our friendship, it really was over. And I moved on, went to college, had a family, eventually moved back to my, my not my hometown, but my home area. And I went to my home church one, one weekend. And when we were, my wife and I were walking out, I, a car like just all of a sudden came to a stop in the middle of the street and someone honked at me. And uh, someone from the car yelled, hey, Lucas. And I, I started to walk over to see who it was. I figured it was somebody I knew. And they were like, hey, do you, uh, you remember me? And I'm like, Derek? He's like, yeah, man, how you doing? 
I'm like, I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? It's been a long time. And, you know, we had chit-chat and stuff. He's like, Lucas, I want to let you know something. I'm like, what? He's like, I'm a Christian now. I'm a follower of Christ. And it's in part because of you. And I was so blown away. He said that pretty much from high school, he went to college, he struggled, and he got so low down in the dumps that eventually he didn't know what to do. And he remembered the way I was in high school. Even after our friendship ended, he said, I still watched you, and I saw what God was doing in your life, and I saw how you were different. And he, he said that 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 helped, along with other things, helped encourage him to go to church. And it was from there that he became a follower of Christ. He became a Christian. I was just blown away that God would use my choice to end a friendship to eventually lead him to him. And then with Tom, once I gave him that scripture, I thought it was over. It wasn't because Tom looked at me and he's like, wow, I never knew that the Bible talked about that kind of stuff. Can you show me more? I'm really curious to know what other things the Bible talks about. And it was from there that we started to meet, doing devotions together, praying together, and eventually he became a Christian at my kitchen table. From there, he became my blood brother, not in biological blood, but in the blood of Christ. He became my eternal friend, my best friend. It all started with <laughs> that moment where I decided to just tell him like it is, and somehow God used it. And we chose, uh, even though we faced hard times through college and through adulthood and with kids and such and all the busyness, we still choose to love each other, to care for each other, to pray for each other. When we give our relationships to God, and when we are the friends that Jesus was and is to us, he will help us to grow into exactly what we should be. And he will give us friendships that are sustaining, encouraging, and eternal. And so my final question for you today is, who are your 12? Who are 12 people that you can choose today to make sure that you are touching base with, you're encouraging, and you're sharing in life with, that you're journeying with? Maybe not every day, maybe every week, at least every month. Who are those 12? Write them down. Pray for them. Tell them. Live life with them. Even if it's digitally. We don't have much of a choice right now, so you got to work with what you got. So I want to encourage you. Figure out, pray about, and choose your 12. Not because you're going to be the savior of the world. Not because, you know, you're, you know, you have a lot of things to teach them or anything like Jesus did with the disciples. But just because Jesus chose 12 friends. He didn't just choose 12 disciples. He chose 12 friends. And he's called us to do the same. Well, that's all for now. If uh, you are willing, as always, please feel free to share your feedback, your doubts, perspectives, and thoughts with me. You can write me personally on Facebook or Twitter or connect with me and our joiners on Discord as well. Feel free to check out the links to these in the show notes if you're not sure how to get there. If you prefer to use your voice, why not give me a call at 929-GMG-GUYS? You can leave a question, leave a message, share a comment, or even your own story with us. Also, as pretty much every podcast tells you over and over and over again, please like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or Stitcher. Through doing that, you will help me connect with and encourage more potential joiners around the globe. Finally, if you are a huge nerd or just love hanging out, check out my sister and partner podcast, The Good Morning Guys, where every week Pat, Mark, Ronnie, and I talk about the game of life amidst the other games and nerdy stuff we love to watch and play. Alrighty then, my beloved friends, family, and joiners, until next time, go get your good morning this week, and may God bless and guide your lives as you seek to be a blessing to others. Ate mais e Deus abençoe.